Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast, the podcast focusing on real Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, we've had the return of the Premiership last week. The URC is now back on our screens this weekend, just gone. Were you able to catch any of those games? Uh, yeah, I did. I caught a couple of them. Um, it's nice to have it back. I do gotta say i really enjoy waking up on a saturday morning at like 8 a.m and just throwing rugby on uh nice to see the saracens get off to a get off to a hot start i I, by hot start i mean the season not in the actual game because they (laughs) went down 17 nothing within like 20 minutes but Mm. um you know they will they they bounce back very nicely so overall uh overall quite happy with it not a huge fan of the orange and blue jerseys though Mm. um Orange and blue, like the team, you're red and black. Like, where does this, where does the orange and blue come from? It kind of looks nice, but like, I don't like it when teams go with different color schemes for like a, the, the, like away kit. I don't know. Maybe I'm just ranting. I don't well, know. It, it's clear contrast, obviously, blue yeah. being opposite of red and then white, uh, orange being the opposite of black. You know, a light to kit to contrast with a darker one. Uh, speaking of so. dark, speaking you're of uh, white and red, though, like, that. Well, they, I think they've done like blue and white in the past. Yeah, so. I know they've done some weird. Done, uh, every yeah. team I feel like has done some weird random colors at some. Yeah. Well, speaking of black and red, I uh, got t- to watch the uh, West Wales derby between Ospreys and Scarlets. Oh, there which you is, go. It was a very close affair, very back and forth, and find the uh, final conversion of the game, sealing it as a draw. So everyone in Wales is a bit, uh, well, yeah. West Wales at least. Uh, less happy than what they could have been but you know it's good to have the urc back good to have um european competition going on as it is and yeah soon enough we'll be into the uh, champions and challenge cup again speaking of the uh, european rugby too james o'neill with a nice like 45 meter dash for his uh, first try for uh, melrose on the weekend too. yeah fan- yeah fantastic uh to get his first start for the team as well obviously playing alongside fellow arrow mitch richardson um yeah and you can actually see the video of the try on the toronto arrows uh social media pages i saw it on twitter and i was like that is just fantastic <laughs> it's a good run yeah first start first try yeah it's not as you mean to go on i guess all he has to do is find a hockey rink to get a Zamboni driving job while uh, yeah. during the week, though. So hopefully that's working out for him. So pretty yeah. sure Scotland's got a team in the EIHL, I'm sure. I can't remember which city it's in, though. Well, there's a lot of curling there. So if all else yeah. fails, he can uh, make sure that ice is all uh, nice and uh, smooth. There you go. That's yeah. just for you, Dan. We brought back one yeah. curling reference. Hope you're, right. hope you're still listening to this at right. some point. Well, we're talking about Arrows players. Let's uh, return to the Arrows, so to speak, because we've had, since our last recording, a signing and a trade. So first off, we have uh, Connor Grindle, a prop, as joining the team from Gordon in Australia, but he is Canadian eligible, so he will be marked as a domestic player. And the big news that came out just on Friday... Um, is that Travis Larson has been traded to the Arrows from Seattle. So the Arrows received the um, player rights from Seattle. In return, Seattle has received salary cap considerations. This is now Travis Larson's fifth MLR team. But, uh, you know, from a Canadian perspective, we're hoping he uh, sticks with this team for the foreseeable future, to say the least. Um, 
So, uh, a prop and Larson as well. Um, Derek, what do you make of these uh, moves? Yeah, well, first of all, is, is like, has Larson is Larson the guy that's uh, played for the most the most teams at this point? Uh, so, or is, is is anybody else more than five or close to five? I I don't think so because that wouldn't have been a player that would have changed every single season. Since yeah, I know. I was going to say we're in the started, which has just been six. So. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure yeah. about that, but uh, yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. So he's played. He played for the Austin Elite. That's yeah. how far back that was. Old yeah. Glory, San Diego, Seattle, and now Toronto. Um, can't remember if all of those are were trades. He definitely got traded from San Diego to Seattle, and then obviously he's just got traded now. Um, you know, again, it's one of the, one of those trades um, in the MLR where it's like you give up cap considerations, but we don't actually have the dollar value assigned to that. Yeah. Um, so you really can't like it's tough to judge if you like, you know, overpaid, underpaid, you know, from either team's point of view on that one. But like, I don't I, I like the move of having Larson come over, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when he after Travis Larson got traded from San Diego to Seattle at the end of the 2021 season. um he was like one of the best back row players in the league for like the last yeah. three weeks. Um, he was unreal after that trade. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he carried it on um, in, you know, during 2022 as well. He was, uh, yeah. I thought he was great for Seattle. He was, you know, a kind of a big, uh, a big part of their, you know, obviously they're, you know, there's a bit of the shenanigans in the standings and stuff, but he was mm-hmm. a big part of their push to um, the MLR final um, all yeah. using the New York, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know, I think, uh, I think that's, uh, that's obviously a good thing to have coming into the locker room too, is, you know, a guy that's, you know, I've, you know, had success in MLR as well, right. Getting, mm-hmm. getting to that final playing in that big environment. Um, so that's obviously a positive to bring over. And, you know, it seems like there's, um, you know, between him and Cole Davis, it seems like there's a little bit of a push to maybe be bringing some of the Canadian guys back north of the border, um, that are in MLR currently. Um, so, you know, that's obviously a good one. It'll be super fun. The first, uh, because you get two uh, free Jack, at least two free Jacks games. I guess it'll depend on what the schedule format looks like next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have uh, Travis Larson and Josh Larson able to play each other a couple more times. <laughs> and they're going to be able to do it at least one, you would imagine, because it's not like New England and Toronto are going to get the uh, the road trip avoid snow game. But yeah. Um, like so, that'll be uh that'll be nice. You're probably gonna get at least one of those games in Canada at the very least, um, Toronto, and uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Travis Larson come back, um, and then you know the other signing, obviously, um, Connor Grindall. Arrows are obviously always on the lookout for these guys and stuff. And you know, Pete Smith is uh you know located in Australia. I believe I believe he's located in Australia during the off season. He's from there originally. There have um, been uh, photos of him on social media uh, with, doing the work in yeah, uh, Australia. Yeah, with some so. of the new signings in Australia, yeah. You no, know, so that's obviously a good thing. And, you know, obviously, you know, finding guys that are playing, um, you know, elsewhere in the world that are Canadian eligible um, is is super key, right? So, you know, um, his, his father played, uh, you know, p- pretty high-level, provincial-level player in Ontario, right? Played for the Blues or... Um, so I think that's obviously a great thing. You got that little bit of a little bit of a connection concerning the arrows history basically developed out of the Ontario blues and stuff too. Um, right. In s- sort of 
kind of in a way, you know, kind of sort of in a way like that. So it's nice to see that, you know, they're able to, uh, to, you know, bring some players that are playing overseas back over. Um, the one thing though, I think with looking at a lot of these new signings is over the course of the first, like four seasons of the Toronto arrows, it's like the arrows were one of the better, the, the, one of the teams that had the best like retention rate for their players. Yeah. And, you know, so far this off season, we are seeing a lot of new names coming in, um, yeah. whether that's through trade or through signings. And mm-hmm. obviously too, like some big names on the way out too, right? Um, as you mentioned earlier in the off season, you had Mirez retired. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Quatran got traded. J- right? Just want to clarify, Mirez hasn't announced his sure. retirement. He's just announced his departure. Departure, yeah. Sorry, he may, um, as, he may as well be retired to us. But uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're not, if you're not on the arrows, you're retired. That's yeah. and Lasage is retired too. It's, yeah, that's how I view everybody. Well, we said that for Jamie McKenzie, but then look how that turned out. So, oh, well, there's exceptions to the rules, right? <laughs> of, of course, of yeah. Course. Exactly. If you're uh, if your last name's McKenzie, then I assume you never retire. Everybody else, once you leave the arrows, basically retired. Um, so either way, though. Man, now I lost my train of thought on that entire thing. Um, but like you had, you had, uh, so you got some players moving out. Um, Quatrin obviously got traded, and then we'll maybe circle back to because uh, he just officially signed with New England this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of, it looks like we might have a little bit of a kind of new look arrow squad next year. At least it's starting to develop that way, um, right? Uh, at least as far as the first groups of signings that have come through have seemed to be a little bit heavier on the new faces coming in um, versus, you know, re-signings. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that might be a bit of a marketing thing with how it's being announced because we know the Arrows carefully plan how they drop all the uh, signing announcements and stuff. Of course, yeah. Um, So that might have something to do with it too. But, um, but yeah, it looks like uh, there's definitely going to be some new faces on the squad, right? And, uh, you know, as uh, as more signings get announced, it's more more interesting to see how it's kind of shaping up. But um, digging the addition of Travis Larson, Connor Grindall, and uh, you know, I'm just starting to ever so slightly get more excited for uh, the return of the season. Even though there's a full World Cup between now and then, that is also there to be excited about. But yeah, that's yeah. fair. I think it's also worth um, considering that the Arrows are finding these players that are. Um, so I believe that now it's. Uh, Grindel is like the second um, player who is from overseas or from Australia specifically, but is Canadian eligible and therefore is marked yeah. as a domestic player. Nick, because Nick Ben was the other one. Yes, that is correct. Um, but the thing is to remember is that um, towards the end of last season, the Arrows had to trade um, international slots to guarantee salary considerations for the 2022 season. So now... Now, obviously, every sing- every single team is trying to find if they are domestically eligible. So all the, uh, uh, well, basically the non-Arrows MLR teams are trying to find if anyone has an American passport or an American grandparent so they don't have to go through the rigmarole of visa processing and stuff like that. But at the same time, it obviously helps to yeah. find players that are uh, Canadian eligible as well that can then... Uh, come yeah. over for the arrows and not uh, worry that um, international uh, slot eligibility because I believe at the moment we have Sam Malcolm, 
Um, we have good. Don't, don't forget though, too, when you're thinking about this, that the Quatrain trade was for an international slot. That is, got, yeah. So that's the, back. So yeah. So the arrows currently have eight international yeah. slots, which is at the moment the lowest of any MLR team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also had um, signing of Torrance Reed as well. So that's that's at least three players. Now, obviously. Um, it means eight in the match day squad. So obviously the arrows can sign as many as they want, but ideally enough that it would allow players to be um, able to shuffle around and so on and so forth. So, you know, just considering my, I think it's obviously great that they're finding Canadian eligible players, even if it is just to like get around that whole um, regulation of only having eight players available but you know obviously it seems that Grindle has well Ontario rugby history in its blood if his uh, dad and his uncles were able playing for uh, Toronto Welsh now the Toronto Dragons yeah. I just realized his um, father's name is spelled I is Ian spelled I-A-I-N it's like well if that's the most Welsh spelling of Ian you can possibly find <laughs> Just throw a couple of whys in there and you The the other interesting thing, too, with like, so now, like you said, you got Ben, you got Grindall, um, is whenever, whenever it was, so like last time Kingsley Jones did like one of those videos, he was talking about having, like, there's a way they've been like looking at a lot of like guys overseas that are eligible for Canada. Yeah. Um, and at that time we were like, well, like that's cool, but like you got to bring them over here. Yeah. Um, right. So um, I don't know if this is I don't know if these are the guys that he's referring to or whatever. Well, but yeah, because he also mentioned some Kiwi yeah, exactly. as well. So, and I've I've yet to see and unless Sam Malcolm has found out his uh one of his grandparents <laughs> was Canadian, then Oh, I mean, yeah, yes, if somebody could forge that passport for Malcolm, though, that would be delightful. Oh, please. We, we've had a, we had enough issues with Spain and uh, yeah. forging documentation. Let's not go down that route. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess, mm. I guess so. But you know what? Spain, Spain deserves to be at the World Cup, anyways. Um, but yeah, so it's like I don't really know if these are the guys that Jones is referring to, or if this is the arrows kind of going out on their own, doing their own scouting. Um, regardless though, it's obviously, you know, regardless though, this is obviously like what you want to see happening, right. Is kind of mm-hmm. expanding the player pool for, uh, the, the men's national team and, you know, finding those guys that are Canadian eligible that are able to come over and play. Obviously the arrows can immediately benefit by, as you said, not burning an international slot, which is beneficial because as you also just said, they only have eight of them so mm-hmm. far as of right now. That could obviously change. More trades could be made. Yeah, um, that's true. But, you know, so it is something to consider right now. But it's also just, um, but it's also like a benefit of, you know, maybe getting getting and finding a lot more of those Canadian eligible players. Because, I mean, we, we've seen a track record, too, already of, say, for example, a guy like Jason Higgins, who New York tried to sign. They realized he had a Canadian passport. Right. So they alerted Toronto. Toronto signed him and then he ended up on the national team like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, there is a there is a track record in Canada of it benefiting the national team or at least 
um, you know, at the very least, Kingsley Jones taking an interest in these guys and uh, putting them in his squad, right? So, um, who knows if that's uh, on the cards for Grindall or Ben or anybody else in the future? But um, it's nice to kind of see the uh, the player pool expanding a little bit and the arrows putting in the work to make that happen and you know bring a couple of the Canadian eligible guys back home or back home, um, back to Canada, or Toronto, and mm-hmm. um, you know it's uh can't wait to see them in action and uh it's uh, i mean i think just overall it's like these uh the signings are cool man like they're uh, yeah. they're uh you know every every player that i've seen come that's been signed it's you know it's it's an exciting addition there looks like they're you know addressing some of the needs of the team and stuff and like we kind of said it's you know it's like kind of said before too like it'll be interesting to see when more of the returning players start getting announced and how everybody's going to kind of get slotted in. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, so that's, I, I don't know. I don't really have much more to add on the arrows um, unless you have something. Is there anything else that uh, stood out for the, uh, the rest of the league over the past couple of weeks? Or, I mean, even if you, if you just kind of want to catch up on something that we didn't, haven't really talked about through the off season yet. Yeah, well, there's something that happened today is that Nola Gold um, announced their first new signing mm-hmm. of the 2023 season. And if memory serves me correctly, and I'm just going to find it on, but there's going to be an issue for Canadian fans because it's basically um, one player, two players with the same name. One's a Canadian eligible, at least, and the other one I'm not entirely sure, but... Uh, you know, obviously, signing was just announced today. It's only been a couple of hours ago. We'll we'll be able to go into their passport, really. But um, unfortunately, it is that there are now two Luke Campbells in the league, uh, and unfortunately, the one from uh, Nola Gold is capped at international level for New Zealand, which is a shame. But also a scrum half, so a back and. Uh, the Luke Campbell we know is a forward that plays for Old Glory DC. So, that's a that's a good signing for Nola though. Like that uh yeah, Stevens and Luke Campbell as your uh your two nines. It's, like that's yeah. a that's a pretty good signing, man. Like as far as uh you know, not not a lot of teams in MLR are gonna have that type of depth at nine. Yeah. Well they've also signed uh Rodney Joanna. Yep. You know that as well. Um who Cleaner, tried to uh, sign in the league earlier, but then yeah, know. was that for Nola? Or was for that another team? Ooh, I think it was for somebody else, but I can't remember which team it was. Hmm. Stuff we should yeah. look up before we do a podcast talking about yeah. this. Stuff well, they're not Canadian, so it's okay. Yeah, unimportant, yeah. unimportant. But um, I mean, I, but imagine that combination because uh, Yona is a fly half, Campbell's a scrum half, both yeah. with uh, super rugby experience. You know, yeah, and be good man. Oh, you know, as in, obviously, uh, Nola didn't have the best of seasons last year, you know, finishing fifth in the East. But, you know, that just gives the opportunity to turn things around and get the ball going for 2023. Um, Also, big news out West, a trade between Utah and San Diego. And it appears that Mikey Teo is returning to San Diego for the 2023 season. So... Uh, I think that's obviously great for him, great for San Diego fans. But of course, um, you know, that uh, combination of Teo and um, 
Oh my god, this is completely something. Uh, Cruze. <laughs> yeah, the Cruze Teo combo that scored so yeah. many tries in 2021 and 22 mm-hmm. seasons. So yeah, I think uh, you know, a bit of sadness to see uh, that partnership dissolve, but obviously, you know, uh, Warriors and San Diego moving in different directions and hoping to both be fighting for the shield again in uh, the 2023 season. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, a few moves going on. I would recommend to everyone, if you're not already following him, follow uh, James Dealey on MLR Stats, where he'll be posting weekly updates of all the trades happening across MLR and which teams they're coming from and which teams they're going to. Now, we're going to try something new here, uh, Derek, because uh, one of our fans on Twitter, uh, Peter Badovsky, recommended that we should talk about one of the rules of... Or as we should say, laws I was going to say, if we, I feel like if we're going to do this segment, we got to start saying laws, or we're just going to get yeah. yelled at for the rules for of rugby, the laws of the game, and yeah. explain that for new fans. And you know, we're currently in September. Um, the rugby season in Europe has just begun, and you know, next thing we know, it's going to be uh, the 2023 MLR season just around the corner. So I feel it's important that we should go over some of the rules and, you know, we'll start with an easy one to get everyone in, whether you're a new fan or you've been playing the game since as soon as you can walk. I think, you know, good way to get involved. And so we're going to start off with law number one, which is the ground. So let's begin with the playing area. Now the playing area comprises the field of play and the in-goal area. The field of play is uh is that right it's 94 to 100 meters long see i'm learning doing this i thought it had to always be 100 meters long and then 68 to 70 meters wide yeah the variances are due to when the game was first established in england and also what stadiums could have or were allowed given depending on what the uh local authorities would allow so it has to be between the smallest you can have is 94 meters long and 68 meters wide but funny in high school i played on this field that was 64 meters long uh we didn't we we weren't allowed to play too many games on it (laughs) fair enough fair enough uh the in goal area so we talk about the field of play the in goal area that's where tries can be scored can be anywhere from six meters to 22 meters long and again it remains the same with between 68 and 70 meters yeah, so there's a, and then also there's three bold lines that are on the field. The first one coming right in the middle, which is the halfway line, pretty self-explanatory, marks the halfway point. I was assuming it was 50 meters out, but I guess if your field's 94, it's somewhere exactly. else. I can't math half of 94, so I'm not <laughs> going to. Um, and then the other two lines mark are 22 meters away from the goal line or the try line. And yeah, it's 22 meters away, and that's a, that is a line that comes up in a whole lot of other laws that yes. uh, I guess we'll get into the more we kind of go through this. Exactly. So that's what we, so whenever we're talking about a team's 22, that means 22 meters from the try line, that area there. And each side has the famous goalpost with the crossbar that's shaped like a capital H. And that is found halfway along the try line that leads to the in goal area. The posts have to be a minimum of 3.4 meters tall and 5.6 meters wide. And the top edge of the crossbar, so the very top of the crossbar, 
has to be three meters above the playing area. And that is the laws when it comes to the grounds. There's obviously lots more details included. Mm. The first thing that comes up is the field should be safe to play on, which I think is oh. very obvious. But if you want to find out... Know. You never know. Yeah. What's the definition of safe, right? Exactly. You know, you find that. Do, do you follow the letter of the law or do you just uh, interpret it as you will? But uh, if you would like to find out more about the laws of the game, you can find them out. And the laws of international games and, and as well as MLR games, uh, pretty much the same. There are a few variances. We will be talking about those as they appear. But if you'd like to find out more about the laws, especially the laws of the ground, you can do so on the World Rugby website, which is World dot rugby i love that when we were planning this episode um we were both like all right let's pick like the easiest law to go through because we're like i'm pretty confident that i know what the field is supposed to look like also we didn't really talk about any of like the other lines on it i guess in like the description of the rules but there are the you know the five meter hashes on all there, yeah there's, stuff. there's a five meter there's five meters out of um, the playing yeah. area, but that is known as the scrum zone, and I think we should talk about that when we bring up the scrum, oh, is that which will be yeah, yeah. It's that's a, what that's to, called. It's a, it's a to be continued. Part to be continued. Yeah, there's the uh, the there's the ten meter lines, which um, we came up in a try that we talked about last week when uh, France. Uh, off the restart, the ball didn't go 10, and then Lockie Kratz just took it anyways, and Webster yeah. eventually scored. So that's one that kind of came in there. Um, so there is a handful of other lines on it. Um, I do kind of like some, how, personally, I do kind of like how the law does allow for that little bit of variation and stuff. Because um, mm -hmm. I think I think it's interesting how it, it gives a lot more like character and stuff yeah. to you know, the, the pitches in the fields themselves or mm -hmm. even the stadiums themselves, right? Um, having everybody's ground be a little bit different instead of, you know, kind of a cookie cutter sort of situation. Like, um, like you know, I mean, it's a lot like cl a lot closer to like MLB where it's like, okay, every stadium's got like a different height for their wall or the foul territory yeah. is bigger, the wall's further away or something, right? And it gives all this, the, all the ballparks in baseball a little bit of their own personality, which is something that I do kind of think comes through in rugby a little bit, right? Um, and even like the Toronto Arrows, right, being, you know, a team that plays at a university that has a football team that plays under um, Canadian rules, right? Meaning that the in goal areas in Toronto are a lot bigger than the in goal areas of basically every other team in the league. Um, because yeah. all most of the MLR teams, if they're not in their own stadium, are playing on like an American football kind of um, stadiums designed to house American football that don't factor in. Um, the extra space for a massive in goal area, right? So yeah. everywhere, everywhere, even in MLR, is a little bit different too, which yeah. I think always just adds to the fun. Um, I think it's just awesome that we picked the easiest rule and are still like stumbling and bumbling through this. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I think it's fun. I think it's a really fun idea, and I hope uh, I, I want to kind of keep revisiting it, pick some different laws. So thanks to uh, Peter for the suggestion, and. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll kind of keep going with it. We got to maybe get into some history of things and stuff too. Yeah, we'll off see. We'll see what we can do. Topic ideas here. Absolutely, absolutely. But well, that's the thing. If you want to see the dimensions of the pitch in live action and seeing live or on replay, we have got where you can watch the games 
this weekend. And we should say that the first game coming up is Canada versus Fijiana. Now, at the time of recording, they haven't announced what this will be broadcast on. However, seeing as kickoff is 2 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, it's probably going to be a replay. And considering that Canada women's games so far this year have been broadcast on TSN and the World Cup is going to be on TSN as well, we're just going to have a shot in the dark and say that this game will also be on TSN, mainly tsn.ca and the TSN app. One thing that we do know will be on uh, tsn.ca and the app is the final round of this year's rugby championship. And, you know, it's been close so far. Uh, It seems like New Zealand have just pulled ahead, but you never know what's going to happen in the final round and who can take the trophy. Well, the All Blacks have Aquaman now, so. No, that is true. I don't know if if you saw that, but like Aquaman's hanging out with them this week. So, I mean, how do you how do you lose with Aquaman? Right. Yeah. Especially head tattooed Aquaman. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And if you are looking for European rugby, well, top 14, can't help you. No idea where you can watch it in Canada. However, if you want to watch the Premiership and URC, you can find it on Sportsnet. And that is all we have for this episode of the podcast. A very short one, but obviously little news. We're hoping there'll be a bit more to talk about next week. Or if not, we may talk about two of the laws of the game depends on how much detail we can go into we're gonna have a game to talk about the canada that is true we got a that game is true. to talk about yeah that is true um but yes if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the podcast you can listen to more on spotify apple Podcasts, and anchor fm if you enjoy watching our faces you can do so on our youtube channel that'll be at the rouge rugby and you can find us across all social media platforms including twitter instagram facebook and tiktok at the rouge rugby maybe leave us a suggestion of which rule or law of the game that you would like us to talk about derek where can the people find you online uh, I'm at Brissette the Jet across all social media platforms. And um, you can also find me at The Walrus on Friday night. Um, I've mentioned a handful of times that I play Aussie Rules football. And our team, is, our team the Toronto Dingoes, is hosting an AFL grand final party. Um, I'll see if I can get the Canada-Fiji game to just go on right after that game's finished. And then we can all, uh, we can all hang out well into, the, uh, well into the early hours of the morning. Um, but yeah, The Walrus... Doors open at nine. I think the game starts at like 1230 um, in the morning. So if you just want to hang out, come on down there. That's my shameless self plug for uh, the Toronto Dingoes AFL grand final party. Um, Some pretty good games so far in the playoffs. There was a pretty epic uh, Swans pies game last weekend. So hopefully we get more of that. The teams are the the Sydney Swans and the Geelong Cats. So um, if that means anything to you, then you should come on down. And you can find me on social media platforms at Hardman, spelled H-4-R-D-M-A-N. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the podcast. Derek, thank you for joining me. And thank you all for joining us for another episode talking about real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time.